0: or enjoy many hundreds of these recorded talks dating back to 1996. Professor of Religion and Professor of Buddhist Studies at the University, he's going to talk to us today. And uh, I'm not sure what his plan is, but don't let him talk about it. <laughs> All right. Um, okay, I was... Um, asked to speak about at the panel that I was on. I have how much time? Uh, About 45 minutes. 45 minutes. And uh, does that include also time for questions? Yes. Okay, so I shouldn't take the whole 45 then. I should take not more than half an hour. Um, As uh, uh, David said in his introduction, I'm um, professor of at Duke University. Some people already uh, know me quite well. Um, uh, I feel that I live in San Francisco, but my stuff is back east. Um, uh, within a few years, I'm hoping to remedy that and uh, get an early retirement from Duke and then uh, move out here. And I tend to be the a professor who is involved in gay, a professor of Buddhist studies who is involved in the Gay Buddhist Fellowship and um, also reports on you or us so uh, uh, a couple of articles are um, uh, in press and in uh, a production to make uh, Gay Buddhist Fellowship famous around the world <laughs> <laughs> and then of course if you read about that uh, you'll know what you're doing because you need, <laughs> you need professors to, in, to interpret you. Uh, it was also... I, will, I also brought up the idea at one time... Think, I think I may not have been the person who started it, that there should be a regular feature that I might do in the newsletter called Ask, uh, Ask Dharma Daddy. Um, <laughs> but it has not yet been... Uh, decided to do that. <laughs> um, so I uh, uh, was in San Francisco this time for the uh, uh, annual uh, meeting of the American Academy of Religion, which is the main—it's uh, the main professional meeting of uh, uh, teachers in religion. Uh, In universities in the USA. It's one of these big monster things. This is the program of the sessions. Uh, So (laughs) you see a lot of things are happening at the same time. Um, uh, For a few years now we have had, uh, um, we've had a group. Uh, uh, There's a roundtable consultation group and section. I won't go into all those differences, but Uh, The group is called Gay Men's Issues in Religion Group, and um, we have been able to get uh, two sessions on the uh, program for the last uh, few years. We don't always meet, of course, in uh, San Francisco, so you can't go to it every year. it meets, it, it meets at the, it's been meeting in, on the weekend before Thanksgiving for a long time, um, but it meets in different uh, cities. And we're going for the first time that I know next year to Orlando. Um, so uh, <laughs> I don't know uh, what we'll do with uh, Disney. It's sports Disney. Yes. Yes, I, um, I, I have to tell this little little vignette. I was in the city for Gay Pride Day last year, and um, uh, on the day before Gay Pride Day, for some reason, uh, the lesbians want to have their own procession, and I saw a bit of that going down Market Street. And on the side, on the curb, uh, were three or four. Women um, who were wearing uh, Mickey Mouse hats, the the the, the, with the the ears, and they were holding a sign saying, "Baptists repent." <laughs> <laughs> so, um, what I what I what I was uh, what it was suggested I would do by by Lee was to give a summary of of the um, uh, of the papers that we had at uh, the panel and then we'll open it up for questions and then I believe uh, some people might go to lunch afterwards and I would be uh, available to uh, talk more um, I'm leaving tomorrow morning so if you want to ask me a question this is, this is the time um, there were uh, supposed to be Uh, five papers but only four were given Uh, one of the presenters was uh, sick Um, the first was by uh, Leonard or Lenny uh, uh, Zwilling who uh, is I would say he's the leading uh, uh, scholar in interpreting Uh, the Pali and early Sanskrit uh, texts in regard to homosexuality in both the Hindu and the the Buddhist uh, tradition. Um, And then I had uh, my paper, which I'll spend the most time on on that, uh, summarizing that. And then uh, 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 by Michael uh, Sweet, who I believe he gave the talk last time, last Sunday. Yes, so he, he gave the talk here last time. So if you were here last time, you heard his talk, so I won't need to go into um, much about that. Uh, uh, Michael Sweet has been doing very similar things uh, to Lenny, and they have uh, been partners for, well, forever. I don't know how long, but anyhow, they go together. So uh, you don't, it, isn't, it isn't surprising to see them on the same panel and then a a, a paper by by Jose Cabezon um, whom many of you may have known from uh, the response to the Dalai Lama Uh, he was a um, a monk of the Tibetan tradition for some time we used to call him uh, Lama Jose Uh, Because I forget what his Tibetan name name was, and uh, he um, gave back his vows and has been a layperson for some time, and uh, is on the staff, uh, the faculty of the Iliff School of uh, Theology in uh, 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 Denver, and uh, has also been a leading uh, scholar. More in the uh, of this, more in the area of sexuality and gender in general, more than the um, specific textual work. Though actually, he is doing some textual work. Um, I didn't have time to ask him about this because things went through rather quickly. But um, as many of you know, when the Dalai Lama was here, uh, he was asked, uh, "What did he mean when he said it was against the Buddhist tradition?" to have sex um, uh, between two, partners of the, two persons of the same sex or to use uh, the hand or mouth or anus, which pretty well gets rid of uh, most people. Um, but uh, he's, he, he said there was a text and he didn't quite know where the text is. Um, according to Jose, it is something from uh, the lamlin Chenmo, of Ajay Dzonggaba in which he quotes uh, Ashva and Jose is trying to find precisely where that is uh, so um, I, I can't give you any more details than that at the uh, moment but I would say that from within the Buddhist uh, tradition this is this is simply a technical textual issue that needs to be in, in investigated and is certainly not something that is really obvious to all Buddhists uh, so um, it's there somewhere and what it means we still have to uh, uh, find out so you shouldn't be too worried about that I think is the point um, so the first uh, first paper by Leonard uh, Zwilling um, the title was uh, the uh, to mock as unmanly, um, and then the colon uh, you know that all Buddhist, all academic titles have to have a colon or you the the contents are not able to be digested <laughs> uh, the the Pali verb, opandito, and its senses. Um, If if you're a a professional in this field, you would immediately know what the problem is. Without being a professional, uh, it would not be clear what the problem is. Um, The verb Panto, which also irrelate, uh, f- uh, forms um, uh, a Pali and Sanskrit word pandaka is important in the dis- discussion of homosexuality uh, and Buddhism. Oh, I suppose it was cl- 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 clear, maybe it wasn 't clear that the entire panel was called uh, uh, was called a uh, Buddhism from gay perspectives, so that's why I'm summering all the papers Um, in the uh, lists of sexual things that you shouldn't do which are much more in the forefront of the Buddhist tradition than this rather obscure reference uh, from Ashwagosha which the Dalai Lama referred to um, it is um Uh, uh, it is frequently said that one should not have sex with a a pandaka. Uh, This is in the context, of course, of not having sex in the presence of the guru or the picture of the guru or more than six times a night and uh, in the daylight uh, or in the open air. I mean, they're not... it's, It's unclear to me why there are these things in the lists, but they are very common. Um, But, so who's a Pandaka? Um, And then also it appears that if one is is identified as being one of these entities, one is not supposed to become uh, a monk. It's apparently a male thing, so it doesn't doesn't refer to women uh, becoming Uh. uh, nuns. Attempts to translate this have normally uh, translated it as either a eunuch or a homosexual and that's why we think well what is it going on here um, he did uh, le, uh, so there, lenny did some um, he he's, he has p- p- published on this already in um, the book edited uh, by Jose gabson called uh, 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 Buddhism, Sexuality, and Gender, which uh, was published by Sunni Press some years ago, and that is, I think, still a primary source for uh, looking into this topic. Uh, there are three essays, I think, on Buddhism and homosexuality in that. Um, and in this, in that, in that article, he tried to figure out what. Uh, Decker meant from its context, um, and it seemed to mean someone with a some obviously a male with some kind of sexual dysfunction or another, um, n- uh, somehow not entirely a man, um, and uh, m- not especially a homosexual, but someone who who had who could only have an orgasm. Um, under certain special circumstances, such as he had to watch others doing it, or it had to be in a certain position or something. Um, And uh, generally the context seemed to be somebody who was uh, not uh, really, uh, as we'd say, macho today, and he found that it also could be applied by extension to women, and he suggested that a translation to english would be uh, someone who has no balls uh which you can say even of a w- uh, even of a woman you can say she doesn't have the balls to do that um and and so uh the, uh, the um uh the, su- the suggestion was it was kind of an attitude more than anything else Um, All of this should make us very cautious, you see, about trying to say that the Buddhist tradition is for or against anything like a gay lifestyle, like we know today. The the, uh, 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 suggestion, I would say, is that it has nothing really to say about that. And we're trying to um, look at it as something, something new, trying to look between the lines. So in this paper, uh, so Lenny goes beyond that. He assumes that we've read his previous article, and Opandito, um, uh He said it can be used as an insult, and he he came up with a number of instances where a person was insulted <laughs> as this. Some of the some of the uh, 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 instances he found were rather odd, where some uh, one bhikkhu was sick and uh, the um, uh, physician comes and looks at him and uh, he has uh, the Buddha come and he has to look at his anus, he says look at his anus and the Buddha says you're a pandaka so, uh, asking me to do that uh, so um, <laughs> that, uh, I, I think anybody who thinks religion is huh, boring has not looked at all of the stories um, <laughs> so uh, to cut to the chase with all of this um, he feels that it was something like calling a person a queer or a faggot uh, in the bad sense of a queer or a faggot because now of course we're trying to restore the word queer to some kind of uh, nobility uh, but an insult in that kind of uh, way something uh, about their sexuality which is uh, uh, non-standard um, so then, uh, let me go on to the uh, uh, one by Michael's <laughs> suite, um, which I don't need to uh, go into too det- much much uh, uh, detail, because if, if you were here last, last week, you heard it. But um, he was trying to say the, that the stories of the present and the former lives of the disciple, Ananda Uh, the the disciple Ananda is extremely well known in the Buddhist tradition he was the closest uh, uh, person to the Buddha uh, the body servant or the valet and extremely devoted to him and uh, he wept when he was when the Buddha was about to die uh, and is sometimes compared to Saint John uh, in uh, the gospels for the Christian tradition and uh, was asking whether or not um, we could see Ananda as as the queer ancestor. And um, I I would say that he brought out a fair amount of evidence that there there was a homoerotic um, element in the stories of Ananda in this life and the previous life but this doesn't necessarily mean that there was anything sexual going on, particularly in uh, Indian culture, which if any of you have been to India, you will see that affection between men is fairly common and is not regarded as um, <laughs> sexual or as, uh, uh, as at all odd. In fact, what is is regarded as obscene in public is affection between the sexes. Uh, I once did see a man and a woman embrace, and they were in a park in, in uh, New, New Delhi, and they thought they were not being observed. And when they saw me, they broke immediately. But then you would see um, men walking down the street holding <laughs> fingers or hands, they hold little fingers. Um, so it, once again, I think we cannot make a, a definite uh, 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 association with what's happening today and uh, what the texts uh, have to show us Um, then um, the paper by uh, 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 by uh, uh, Jose um, he gave it an odd odd, uh, title I thought um, Buddhism and HIV AIDS Uh, once again of course a colon um, a theological uh, response Uh, what he means by theological response is a Buddhist response from a Buddhist normative perspective that's to say how not as an academic studying Buddhism at a distance but how as an academic who understands the Buddhist tradition and the texts and is also involved in it, because he is a practitioner of it, how would one respond to that also in the fact that he is also out and he could be HIV positive? He said that he wrote the text, he wrote the paper while he was awaiting for the results of his test and uh, uh, then at the end of the when at the end of the paper the test came back and he was negative still. So then he felt, well, should I have written it? Because it must be different if you're po- positive or if you're negative. Um, but he um, proposed that, and he proposed it with some uh, diffidence. But he proposed it that. Uh, there might be some advantage in using a visualization uh, technique, if one one is negative, HIV negative, uh, a visualization technique to presume that one is positive and to use it as a way of meditating on impermanence and death. Uh, He said that some people feel apparently so guilty that they go ahead and expose themselves to risk in order to uh, convert... Uh, so that they feel well, they're like everybody else now, and everybody else that they know. And um, uh, he feels that that would be really being harmful to oneself, and would be against the Buddhist uh, precepts. Um, uh, he also he also tried to ask whether or not HIV is a living being, because. Uh, we don't stop, of course, at humans in the Buddhist tradition, and whether it would be right to kill it, and uh, 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 sort of seemed seem to me to come down, and uh, Lee may have uh, Lee, who was also and David, you were also at the at the, at the session, uh, may remember it slightly differently. Seemed to come down on the side of saying, well, yes, it is, but um, we have. Uh, uh, compassion for it and also ourselves, and somehow we have to balance this off. Um, I think it's something. It's a much l- larger issue, actually, because we're all, we're all going to get a cold or something like that. We're all going to get sick in some way, and then what is happening is we're being uh, uh, f- infected by other beings, and also just uh, to digest we have this, and what what <coughs> stance <segue astronomy> uh, n- do we take up about this. In general, the Buddhist tradition is concerned with uh, being compassionate to all beings, but r- realizing it's impossible impo- not to kill in order to live, even if one is vegetarian. Um, well, let me come on to uh, my paper and give a little bit, a little bit more, uh, uh, maybe the same amount of time to that. Uh, I was trying to do... Uh, uh, I have a handout, of course. That's another thing professors do. Um, let you see. These are... Yes. Okay. Um, maybe I could just... Um, uh, could you... Could you? pass of half this way and half that way um, this is the outline which I used if you were at the conference, uses the same one um, and speaking from an outline means I don't have to go into great detail because you can get, I will also leave with you, with the, uh, 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 the uh, uh, whoever's in charge here we never like to say that anyone is in charge of GBf but whoever would pr- would prefer to say they were in charge, I will leave a, a, a copy of the entire paper. It is a conference draft, so uh, please don 't qu- quote it as uh, official yet uh, uh, we, m- may possibly, um, we may possibly we may possibly put them together with some other texts um, to make a book out of them so I was here. Uh, over the summer, um, doing some basic fieldwork of Buddhist responses to HIV in the Bay Area. And in fact, I almost uh, decided at one point to uh, retitle my uh, paper, which doesn't have a colon, you see, um, <laughs> as Buddhist responses to HIV in the San Francisco Bay Area. Uh, because that 's where the field work is, but then actually the intent of the paper is to be broader than that, and to put what is happening in a detailed way in the Bay Area so as long as I was not much I've been able to find out about it in the broader context of Buddhist responses to disease in general and HIV in particular um, so um, I, I start by um, uh, rem- <laughs> reminding us, if you're a, a practitioner of the Buddhist tradition, this will not, you will not need any reminder about this, uh, that it is not, an, it is not un-Buddhist uh, to be re- uh, concerned with one's health. Uh, one shouldn't be simply concerned with, the, with one's spiritual aspect and neglect one's health. Um, it is true that the gift of the Dharma, the gift of the teaching, is the best of the teachings, but then if one is in extreme physical or mental suffering of some uh, uh, some sort, the gift of the Dharma is really irrelevant. Uh, the first order of business is to uh, get uh, as, uh, act as much as one c- c- uh, is able to make a person... Uh, physically <laughs> healthy and have enough food and shelter and so forth, so that they have the leisure to think about the root cause of all the suffering. Um, so, uh, those are called the, uh, the, the gift of the Dharma is called the Lokuttara or trans worldly, literally, I call it extra samsaric gift. And uh, uh, one's health is uh, the this-worldly, or the laukika, or intrasengsarik, a gift. And this would be the way that one would approach uh, health and um, HIV, particularly. Um, it's, uh, my research was concentrated on um, uh, the gay community in the USA and San Francisco because that's where the HIV uh, 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 started off in the uh, the USA in the West, I I suppose, and of course was, because of that, uh, concluded at first to be a gay disease, which of course we know now is nonsense. And uh, then, because of all the Buddhists in this area, look at them all sitting around, uh, we then had uh, a Buddhist response to all of this. Um, So I then speak in the models of uh, wellness of the difference between the uh, um, uh, way that uh, institutional Western... Medicine, on the whole, looks at uh, illness and uh, 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 health. Uh, we sometimes do not realize that there are uh, very firm metaphysical presuppositions to all of that, uh, and they're so obvious, uh, so part of our culture, we miss them out. Uh, there are some books which have exposed all of that which I give you which are, there's, there's, there's a reference to in the footnotes to the the the, the full paper um, but in essence it 's the Cartesian split between the uh subject and the object uh, so that uh, you go into the doctor as the patient, uh, the passive one, if you understand me, um, the one that uh, is to have things to be done too, and you are diseased, so the focus is on the disease and on the technique to try to fix you. Um, this works with certain uh, things uh, such as a broken leg, uh, or a hernia or something the, this is a very effective way with other uh, things which are more of a syndrome uh, like addiction or HIV uh, it is not as effective because the whole person and their situation must be taken into account the West is not um, uh, unaware of this, and has now, because of problems in the Cartesian uh, um, approach, has uh, developed something called mind-body medicine. It was started off in Harvard, and we now have something going at uh, Duke in this. (laughs) In the paper, I have an interview with Larry Burke, who is a specialist in uh, uh, a mind-body medicine program at uh, Duke. And then um, this, this sees, the mind-body-medicine technique sees the person in their bio-psycho-spiritual uh, context. The hospice movement is um, a part of the same kind of thing, though not directly linked. With uh, uh, the mind-body <laughs> medicine movement, but they uh, they resonate with each other. And the um, what I got from my interviews with hospice uh, caretakers was, particularly that they said we don't give treatment, but <laughs> we give <laughs> comfort uh, care. And we uh, see a death not as a failure, but as a part of life. Since, um, uh, as you know, Jim Morrison said, we all—no uh, one gets out of here alive. And although uh, Mr. Mojo Rising tried to come back, he apparently hasn't made it yet. So, uh, so we all have to face up to it at some time or another. Uh, the difference, of course, with something like HIV is that often we have to face up to it at an earlier age than we would. When you, when you get to be my age, you begin thinking, hmm, perhaps it won't be too long. So uh <laughs> uh, then, uh, so the approaches of uh, from the P- P- Buddhist tradition are very similar to that of the mind-body Edison uh, 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 approach, but it is also more ancient, Um, It's part of the four requisites. The uh, uh, monk or nun is uh, said to be supplied by the layperson with the four requisites, the four things that we need to function within this samsaric existence, which are uh, food, clothing, shelter, and medicine food, clothing, shelter, and medicine. So medicine is right in there, uh, in the earliest tradition that we know of. <coughs> um, my undergraduate uh, students at Duke University are somewhat puzzled that sex is not one of the requisites, but I say it is uh, possible um, <coughs> to live without it, <coughs> and they make a note of that. Um, <laughs> Uh, uh, then uh, there is the uh, uh, theory or law of, or teaching of the footing of karma. Uh, and uh, uh, some m- m- months or so back, a year or so back, I, I did a short article on a karma uh, for the GBF newsletter. Uh, it was only uh, a certain amount of space, so I had to contract it. Uh, but what I was trying to say was the popular notion that karma is fate, that it's just one of those things we have to put, oh, it's my karma, what can I do, is actually a, a serious misunderstanding of the Buddhist teaching. Um, the Buddhist teaching is, yes, whatever happens to me is the fruiting of my previous karma, but... Um, The fruiting of karma is only seldom so uh, demanding and so oppressive that I have no way to maneuver, I have no way to respond to this, and I have no way to uh, act in a positive or skillful way so that the fruiting of karma in the future will be more favorable. In general, we find that in most situations I do have some freedom of movement and I can at least respond to the fruiting of karma in a skillful way so that it doesn't uh, make me feel so miserable and then I can start uh, a a skillful practice so that sometime in the future maybe not in this life but sometime in the future I will be um, uh, able to uh, uh, I I will have a a more fortunate uh, existence so uh, we can rephrase Reframe a karma as opportunity uh, rather than fate. And towards the end of the paper, I do instance um, a a bhikkhu from Thailand who is specifically trying to do that, specifically trying to emphasize some texts such as the Mangala Sutta, um, the uh, Sutta on Fortunate Consequences, uh, to rephrase Buddhism from uh, the more fatalistic aspect of ordinary... uh, Buddhism into um, um, uh, a more forward-looking thing, saying everything that happens to me is an opportunity for me to learn or progress in some way. if somebody cuts into you on the highway, you know, cuts you off on the highway, what an opportunity to learn patience and compassion. How kind of them to do that. <clears throat> yes, you know that one? <laughs> okay. Um, so, also, apart from, well, within the Buddhist tradition then, uh, some, some kind of medical me- 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 practice is normal. Um, And in general, uh, they would use, uh, the bhikkhus uh, would use some kind of what we tend to call folk medicine, uh, acupuncture or herbal remedies or something. In the Tibetan tradition, uh, however, uh, a very sophisticated uh, synthesis of folk medicine, Tibetan folk medicine, uh, Chinese folk medicine, Uh, the Ayurvedic medicine from the Hindu tradition and also an approach from the Buddhist tradition have been blended together um, and uh, 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 one can go to a Tibetan uh, physician uh, with some certainty that uh, you're not getting just a quack, that you're getting something rather sophisticated Um, and uh, there is a A doctor Dicky Nirongsha, who she has a practice in Denver and also San Francisco, um, uh, who has been uh, treating HIV uh, uh, patients and has had remarkable success with at least one person in which um, a lymphoma of the rather aggressive a type um, actually disappeared. So that got the Western doctor very excited. I don't want to, uh, you can see something about uh, the the, uh, the uh, main ideas of it here, I don't want to go on much longer because I want to finish off and list some time for questions. Um, as for the field work, quite a lot of that, you will all know something about that. So um, uh, Steve Peskin is not here this morning, I didn't exactly, I didn't in fact let him know I'd be talking here. I think I tried to get around to, but somehow didn't. Um, He, of course, uh, started the Buddhist AIDS project when he was down in Los Angeles and brought it here to San Francisco. And it it remains, as far as I can see, the major resource um, uh, network for the area. That is also the Buddhist AIDS network, which is in New York, at least it's on the website there, uh, pat O'Hara, um, a pat o 'Hara is a Zen priest or priestess uh, in new york and um, uh, is uh, also heavily involved in the AIDS uh, work. I had heard her name, and then I came across her in an information tent at the Quilt in Washington, D.C. last last year, and we got to know each other a little bit more from that, and we'll be, we're, knowing, uh, we're getting to know each other a little bit more, I think, uh, because we're working together on... Uh, the AIDS National Interfaith Network is putting together a, a, a big conference on and religion in the USA at the Carter Center in Atlanta next November and I'm somehow involved in that with her um, so then also hospices I uh, found out first that it one has to understand first about the visiting nurses and hospice of San Francisco which started off before there was anything like AIDS Recognised, and I did actually, I managed to interview uh, a nurse who was all the way over uh, in Highland Hospital in Oakland, and I got to that by public transport, and I think I deserve some kind of acclamation for that, um, <laughs> AC Transit. Um, and uh, then it, even there, it, seemed, it seems that there was some... Sp- spiritual aspect and there was, there was a Buddhist input certainly uh, the nurse I talked to at Highlands um, uh, was a practitioner of Buddhism and, and uh, she, she wore the wrist rosary which is the giveaway see, and she said she was also um, then um, the three hospices that I looked at in, and I interviewed in San Francisco, and uh, the, um, uh, in more de- the, the, the interviews of course are in more detailed in the paper uh, Zen hospice um, linked with the <laughs> the Zen Center was the most uh, Buddhist of the the, the the centers, and they emphasized that they were pri- primarily a hospice uh, for <coughs> giving Comfort care to the dying, and only only, uh, only for AIDS as a s- s- secondary thing, and therefore we're moving away from care for AIDS as the uh, syndrome is uh, changing with uh, the new uh, protocols, and people are just not dying as much, uh, thank goodness, from that. Um, uh, my tree, which has just moved, and I haven't been, able, haven't had a chance yet. I hope maybe this afternoon to go and look over at the new place to uh, Bose. It was t- 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 still part of Harvard Street Zen Centre at, at, the, at, the, at the time. Um, this, on the other hand, was slightly less Buddhist. Uh, despite its connection with the Zen center. But that is being, of course, especially with the move, the connection with Zen center is uh, getting to be less. Uh, But there is still some kind of emphasis on meditation and the spiritual life for those who uh, would like it. And they are principally, they said, for AIDS, and only then they aren't a hospice as much as they used to be. In fact, they did change their name, so it doesn't say hospice anymore. It's got, uh, 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 I forget exactly the whole title of it, but they've changed the name a bit, so it's uh, for long-term or intermittent Occur for people who might have uh, some kind of uh, 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 oppo- oppo- opportunistic infection and then they go back, then they get or healthy again and they go back into their home. Uh, then, as a control, I went to the coming-home hospice, thinking this would be very different because it's not Buddhist at all. In fact, the nurses there, the couple I talked to, tended to be Catholic or something like that, Christian in some sense, but it was still very much the same feeling, that there was a spiritual and a holistic approach. Um, Then I came across two meditation groups in the city. Uh, um, Many of you will know George. I asked if he was going to come to um, this talk this morning, and he said no, there's, uh, uh, he's going to the session in Green Gulch. Uh, but he has been uh, operating an HIV-positive uh, uh, sort of Zazen. He says it's a secular <coughs> session at Hartford Street Zen Center, which is um, made a bit more relaxed in... Uh, both doctrine and physical things so that it would uh, be more pro- <laughs> appropriate to persons who have some problems sitting for a long time or getting up in the early morning. And then I've been a couple of times to the Friday evening uh, sessions of the Living Peace Meditation Community run by Karen Van Dyne. And she says that she... Uh, is vaguely linked with Thich Nhat Hanh, but she has a kind of natural uh, b- Buddhism which she says simply arises when you get people together in a kind of occurring kind of way as a, as, as a Sangha, then what she calls Buddhist compassion naturally arises from that. Um, the part at the end on the situation in Asia I don't think I need to go into, and then on the other um, on the side you get a list of some of the uh, resources. Um, I've gone almost to the end of my time, but um, I'd be happy to answer any questions. Jose's uh, on whether it's... it's Acceptable in a Buddhist tradition to kill HIV virus and other uh, potentially sentient beings. In what he said about that, as I understood it, was it was a, a very academic conceptualization, so, fellow professor, I could appreciate it, uh, was that it was an organism of lower complexity, and therefore, and the theory was that organisms of higher complexity had more of a possibility or potential for spiritual growth, and therefore, if uh, if a choice had to be made, it was better that the organism of higher complexity <laughs> persisted. <laughs> 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 that was a distinction. That's <laughs> like a question. What is your response uh, to earlier uh, plagues uh, like the and the polio, or one or the other? Was, were there any parallels to HIV uh, that uh, might be opposed uh, No, not that I know of. Um, I think that you might have have brought up an important uh, point there is that in a sense uh, something like this might be uh, part of what we now are calling engaged Buddhism. Um, Some people would say that engaged uh, Buddhism, Buddhism with a social aspect, is as old as the Buddhist tradition and that's certainly the position of Ken Jones and so forth. I think that it's um, somewhat iffy, uh, uh, that if there is involvement, it is pretty minimal. Uh, I think it's much more typical uh, uh, of the Buddhist tradition that uh, I was um, at a conference in Switzerland on Buddhist-Christian dialogue, and... Uh, The Geshe, uh, the Lama, who was the head of the Tibetan Institute at Rikon uh, in the German-speaking part of Switzerland, uh, put it this way, and I think this is a very typical way. He says, we had a meeting of Geshes in which we discussed, amongst other things, um, compassion. And we said, you know, in the Buddhist tradition, we have these wonderful visualizations of compassion to all living beings, and we try to put out feelings of compassion and be compassionate to all we meet. The Christians, however, are trying to change the world. Why don't we do something like that? So I think that's one of the um, um, one of the most important. Uh, fruits of the interaction of the Buddhist and Christian tradition, which is something I could talk about for a long time, also um, that when the Buddhists meet the Christians, they say, "Hey, the Christians are doing this uh, compassion to; they're actively being compassionate. We in the Buddhist tradition speak of compassion, but we don't really try to change the world, so we don't add- address these uh, so, uh, these kinds of social issues. On the other hand, uh, you see." When the Christians meet the Buddhists, they say, "Oh, the Buddhists are uh, sitting and then m- meditating." I think we have that in the Christian tradition, but we forgot a- a about it. Maybe we should meditate more. Just wanted to say that um, I don't know if you've discovered this in your, in your um, work so far on this particular paper. What I've seen over time—I started doing hospice work many, many, about 20 years ago. There were people who were, who were Buddhist practitioners at that time, but they just were in the class. So there's always been Buddhists. I mean, maybe not mm-hmm. uh, always, but in America, anyway, or in California, there have been a lot of Buddhist practitioners who have been doing hospice work for at least 30, 20, to 30 years. And uh, I know right now, for instance, there's a Buddhist hospice that's forming. It's been forming in Santa Cruz on board. And it's, it's uh, an inner sangha project. So I mean, I think it's, and there's other ones. I understand some in England. I'm mm-hmm. not sure of all of them. So I, think the, I think the organizational part is happening now, as distinct from yes. talking about it. I'd be interested to hear a bit more about that because I'm sure that if I if I do uh, revise this for publication, I would need to expand uh, the database. But uh, the nurse I talked to in uh, over in Oakland, and I, uh, she's. was called Deborah or something, I'll find her name if if you like, um, uh, specifically said this, that she uh, was interested in Asian stuff when she was a student at Cal and she went over uh, to Asia and she sort of got involved in Buddhism, but she was also a nurse and she came back and she found that there was AIDS happening and what could she do, you see. So from the... From the, from from a very early time, I think there's been some input, at least in the Bay Area, uh, in in that. But what I found in the in the coming home hospice that it was more, well, even with that in the coming home hospice, the first uh, meeting mm-hmm. had. Steve peskin was at the organizational meeting, thinking about it. But well, he says it wasn't a Buddhist meeting because there were Hindus and rabbis and whatever. You see, so. Thank you for listening to the Gay Buddhist Forum. If you would like to hear several new talks per month and be notified of upcoming speakers so you can participate live, please subscribe to this podcast. Like us on Facebook, and join our mailing list by visiting gaybuddhist.org.